Good morning. I'm Karen Audubonny. So this morning on the air, we went through, boy, did we go through storms. Wow. It's been amazing. We haven't seen the rivers and the creeks rushing like that in many years, folks. So this morning on the air with me is Howard Daschle. Howard is the department head for the Department of Transportation for Mendocino County. Howard, or are you on there? Click your little button. I am. Good morning, Karen. <laughs> Good morning, Howard. How are you doing? Thanks for getting on the air with us. Wow, that was a big rush of a storm, wasn't it? We haven't seen those uh, storm like that and water flow. God, I don't know how many years. How long has it been? Seven, six? Pretty bad. Well, well, the last really big event was 2017. That was the January, as you'll recall, that they had the, the emergency at Oroville Dam. Oh, that's there right. was a significant rain year, though, in 2019. But um, really, the last three years, for sure, there's been hardly any rainfall. It's been a drought. So how did, I bet you were on the, it must have meant overtime for you keeping out everybody. I, first off, before we get into this, I just want to do a tremendous shout out to our local county yard workers that were out there cleaning up trees, doing the ditches, doing the gutters, and um, just keeping the roads open. I, I know they all probably had to work overtime. I'm not sure, but you're going to tell us all about that. But I just can't thank those workers enough. Um, and I always give them a five high every time I see them on the highway. So how was it for you at your end at the Department of Transportation? What, what happened there with you guys? Well, we really appreciate the, um, the gratitude and the thanks uh, it's always nice to get positive input. Um, you know, the, the staff not only worked overtime, but um, there's really 15 less uh, guys out there countywide than we had during, say, that 2017 storm. And so the, the crews are shorthanded. They're, they're doing more with less. Um, you know, and they just, they prioritize. And the first priority was to get a lane open. And then after you get a lane open everywhere, you try to make sure you've got two lanes. And um, if people still see some of the debris and uh, trees just on the edge of the road, know that they'll be going along and, and cleaning that up probably into spring and summer. And none of us know if there's going to be another big chain of storms. I mean, it's we're really fortunate that it did clear up and it's given them a chance to uh, open everything up and then get some potholes patched. And uh, they're still frantically trying to do that as well. So you're down 15 staff. Um, I, I, Of course, as most of my listeners know, I do stream and watch the Board of Supervisors meetings. Um, and I one of the big discussions that came up yesterday is that you have no staff in Laytonville at the, at the county yard there. Is that correct? That is correct. Fortunately, oh. we had um, some good applicants for interview and we hope we'll have, um, you know, two to four people. That's ideal for that yard soon. But um, in the meantime, uh, you know, we have had to borrow staff from other crews and uh, uh, really, that staff reduction um, soft hiring freeze I've had in place was to address, you know, the much needed, um, you know, employee compensation policy the board embarked on in 2019. But that required me to look at um, 
well, I think the words the board used was they wanted a better compensated but smaller workforce, or not that they wanted it, but uh, if you've got so much money, but you want to pay your people uh, market, that that's kind of the only choice you have. So, um, you know, we're getting by with that at this point. And we were below even the 15. So getting some people at Leightonville has been a priority. And I think those people will be coming soon, I hope. So at those, least two or three. So those 15 staff that you're down, are those funded? Because I'm, you know, like I say, I'm a policy wonk. I watch these things. Are those uh, funded positions that you just have not been able to fill? Or how many, is that the way it stands? I, I purposely not filled them as a budget strategy okay. to make up for, you know, my, if you, if you paid attention at the budget hearings the last couple of years, I've got these little bar charts and pie charts. And yeah. They're really cute. Is this and expenses is that, and, Yeah, you know, that's how you fill the gap. Plus we're not buying equipment. You know, we, we cut just about everything else. So. So do you have the funding to get uh, Leightonville up to speed? I mean, you're, you're going to yeah, probably yes. need more than one person up there. I would mean at least a couple, right? Right. Well, like I say, ideally we'd like four there, but at least if we can, we think the interviews went well enough, we'll have two to three. Well, and what that allows them to do is then borrow fewer people. We've always worked small crews together for larger projects, but it's good to have a couple people just there for storm patrol and trees and things like that yeah well what i found out we have our we have a a, a cal we have a mendocino uh, yard in, in anderson valley in boonville and the, the other thing i notice is when you have local guys doing the work they know where the issues are they know the roads they know where the trees are they know where the the slips outs are the culverts and all of that so i mean moving guys from willits up to and Covalo up to Laytonville, I know it has to be done, but they're they're also not as familiar with the roads, I would say. Now, that's from my perspective. So um, it's always nice to have the locals that know the roads. So you're, you think you're going to be able to get Laytonville up to speed. Um, let's talk about... Uh, so that, that that weird. The other thing I wanted to say is I know I do I try to do a show with Howard at least once a year when I'm around doing this um, to keep in touch with him. And for I know not all the listeners listen all the time, but I just wanted to let everybody know um, how many miles of road you actually take care of. Glenn, um, Dan Jurdy mentioned it. I think it was in yesterday's board meeting or the one before that there's 600, 630 miles of county road. Is that right, Howard? So, so the total amount of county road is 1,016 miles. Oh. What Dan, what Dan was referring to was the 630 miles of surface road. Oh. And I, I don't use the word paved yeah. because the vast majority of our roads are just layers of chip seal on top of layers of chip seal from the 70s and 80s mostly. Um, but what he was referring to was the 630 surface miles and and then of course there's 300 and some odd miles of gravel road okay that's good for clarification yeah that was true he was talking about the budget and how that because the we've been cutting back on so much money in the budget that a lot of those roads weren't ever going to get sea pavement again which is i think the comment that dan was making um, so that's a lot of roads to take care of with a very small budget. And how many staff do you actually have? I guess we didn't get that number out. Oh boy. I, I, I think 
just the off the top. So if you count the 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 office support people, administrative people, you know, I think we're at sixty five now, maybe seventy with all the the administrative people as well. But the guys the out on the road. road. But the guys yeah, out. Yeah, let me. I'm gonna. I'll tell you what. Go to something else and let me let me open. No, my no, no. That's book. okay. Don't you don't have to worry about it. But it's it's less than fifty guys probably. I yeah, say, it's, yeah. It, it is less than 50. It's probably running about um, close to 40. But yeah. I, I actually had all that information a while back. I just don't have it. No, that's okay. I was just curious to let our listeners know because you're you're working with a small crew and you've got this huge territory. I mean, Mendocino County is a huge territory. It's one of the larger uh, counties in the state, plus with all these roads. So let's talk about... Um, the the storms that came through, there was a lot of water damage. Um, did what did what happened? What were there any critical spots that we lost? Uh, any roads that got totally wiped out? Uh, what were the biggest issues for you? The I, I I someone's trying to tell me. Just tell me. Thirty-five. It was thirty-five on the roads right now. Okay. Tell- so we're, it was 40, and then I dropped another five. So okay, so that's even, right, that's so even lighter. So the critical things on the roads, other people are listening and trying to help me out. Oh, that's good. We um, like that crew. There is only one road that is closed and will be closed for some time, and that's five miles west of the Glynn County line up out of Humboldt County on, on, on Mendocino Pass Road. It becomes Forest Road 7 in Glynn County. And Glynn County closes Forest Road 7 almost every winter because of snow. So right now, it's not a huge inconvenience to any citizens, um, you know, that last five miles. But other than that, we're open everywhere. And that is probably our biggest storm damage site. And that's one that will be... um, because that's a federal aid road because it goes into the national forest and it's designated federal aid. Uh, uh, there is, um, even though FEMA has not declared Mendocino County for permanent repair yet for the disaster, the federal highway administration will help us out on that road. So and is that, that that's our big one. That's our big one this year. And did I hear somebody mention that maybe because of the fires and the slides up there? Or is that not, that's a potential, but that's not where that happened. It was in the fire scar of the 2018 burn. Remember the huge burn Mm -hmm. that burned the National Forest? Not the one in 17 that burned Redwood Valley, but the one the next year in the National Forest. So that's some of the rep. So that so this is the thing you have to look at, folks. Is when after when you have a fire and you've got these burns, you've got l- nothing holding the soil, and you're going to get slippage. So that's one of the areas that we always have to watch. Um, let me just take a moment to reintroduce. I'm Karen Audubonny. This is TKO. This morning, my guest is Howard Dashiell. He's the department head of the Department of Transportation for Mendocino County, and we're talking about how our roads held up because uh, we have rural roads, folks. We um, and it's hard to put money into our roads. Howard and I have been doing these shows for, gosh, I think almost 20 years. Well, you've been there 18, I think you said, so 18 years at least. Um, And every year we get on this show and talk about it, we mention the topic of deferred maintenance. And (laughs) every year that Howard and I put that number out, or Howard puts that number out, it keeps getting substantially higher. Um, 
And as anybody knows who owns property, if you defer the maintenance, at some point it's going to come back and bite you in the butt. And we're kind of at that point with a lot of our roads, right, Howard? Correct. So the public can go online to uh, SaveCaliforniaStreets.org, and there is a very nice um, report that is statewide. It's updated every uh, three years, I think it is, three or two or three years. I think the latest report is 2021. And uh, the good part about that is you can look at Mendocino County's score for pavement condition index, which is low. We're always in the bottom 10. And uh, I think they've got us ranked second from the bottom now. And it also lists the number Karen's referring to, which is deferred maintenance. However, and I, it's, it's up to around 700 million now, but that would be the number. And they do it for all the cities and all the counties. So it is a real good way for people to just see transparently how we score. Um, it is that number is though to bring the roads back to a PCI of 80, you know, like a B plus, A minus type road. So I've, I've always said that I don't think we'll ever, that, that's just an impossible number. So, you know, right now to tell you the truth, I would like to get our score to 50. I would take a, a D. <laughs> no, rather than what we have now, um, embarrassed to say that. And a lot of the um, writings I've done and the 20 year plan that I put out really strives to just get us to to 50 or maybe a little better. Yeah, unless unless there's some major money that comes from the states or the feds, I think that's like a pipe dream. But we would all hope that we'd get better as we go. Um so the other question I had was, you know, PG&E, because, I mean, I, as most listeners know, but I will say it again, I live seven and a half miles back a dirt road, which is privately maintained by us, the landowners, and a bunch of that work I even actually do myself. Um, so one of the things is that PG&E has gone through and done a lot of clearing along their lines, as we've all talked about and seen. Um, was there any repercussions from washing of the branches and the, the, the detritus that was left behind from the clearing under these lines. Was that an issue getting into culverts and getting into drainage systems along the roads? I was, con uh, I was concerned I, I about that. Yeah, I don't think so because PG&E actually does a pretty good job of um, cleaning up right in the road right away. I mean, we issue a permit to them that basically says they need to clean up after themselves. I would say the bigger problem with plugging this year was that we had the three years of drought that we really didn't have a good wash, you know, a, you know, a good flush. Right. So there were leaves and twigs and, you know, three years worth of stuff that hadn't moved. So I think our, uh, we had a lot of additional plugging with this first big storm that we've had in a while, but I wouldn't say it has anything to do with the vegetation management by the utilities. I, I don't think that was a factor. 
Oh, good, because that I've seen that issue raised a few places on different sites. So that's good to, to get that out there, that that wasn't a big issue. Yes, and folks, if you live along a county road, um, be aware that, you know, maybe if you're into it, just look at the culverts to see when it's dry, not in the middle when it's rushing, because we don't want to get anybody sucked into culverts. But uh, one of the things that happens is these culverts get plugged up and back up, and then they go over the road. Um one of the areas that, that got affected was the Talmage Road just outside of Ukiah. Are those county roads that were flooding out there outside of the city limits? You mean like Burke Drive and, and that little subdivision? Yeah, yeah, there was some of those areas that were flooded. I was I'm just I know that the city of Ukiah has their own road crew and street crew, but but the city limits are really tight around Ukiah. So like Talmage and all that, those are county roads, correct? Correct. Okay. So, so the deal with the, that subdivision, right? You know, outside the old state hospital, it's now the, the, the city of ten thousand. Right. That that is a pre nineteen in nineteen seventy four seventy two. Um, they adopted uh, FEMA floodplain management standards, and they published floodplain maps. Well, that that community is built in the floodplain and it was done before those standards were out and the the lots were not elevated as they would be today if there was a subdivision done so you know that that particular area is in a floodplain from mill creek and it they the lots are not elevated and they they always have flooding problems there that is that's an ongoing situation there. But that's something then you, you, your department has to deal with also because that's ca- considered a county road. Right. So, so, but here's the thing. I'm the road department, not the flood control department, which means we'll go out and we will work within the county right away. But if the whole creek system overtops its banks, which is what it does in there, that's not something that's a road function. Um, it's, uh, you know, it is the natural condition of that floodplain. And there are other areas that get localized flooding. Um, and really the roads are in the floodplain, just like the adjacent property. So during the large rainfall events, they flood and, and the crew really can't stop that. That just happens. No, you just got to repair whatever damage the flooding might do. Um, Okay. Good to know. Um, the other area that I've been hearing a lot about was, uh, let me start with my backyard. I heard there were some issues with Fish Rock Road, which is an incredibly long dirt road between uh, Yorkville and uh, uh, um, Point Arena. No, Elk? Correct. So Fish oh, right. Rock got part of what the whole coast got, which were those high winds during oh, the storm good. event, and it knocked down a lot of trees. And uh, if there were utility lines in the trees, um, the county crews won't work on the tree until we have a utility company on site that assures us it's safe. Then often we work with the utility companies and the utility companies did a great job. BG&E did a great job. It it took them time because they had a big workload all at once, Um, but, Fish Rock was open really with a lot of effort from PG. I will give them thanks and credit for that. 
The county also went through, though, we even hired a contractor to help us, you know, so that we could open uh, at least a lane in that road faster. And But it did take us a few days to open that road. Yeah, it used to be there weren't residents out there that needed to get in and out. Um, in the last 10 years, there's been a lot more residents that go in and out on that road, I've discovered, which is kind of, you know, as the population grows in Mendocino County. Um, I just want to do another mention that um, we had a fatality on Mountain View Road, and that was one of the subcontractors with PG&E, um, that was working in the middle of the storm with uh, getting trees and working with the power stuff. Uh, they went over the edge, um, and one of the gentlemen in the car was the truck was killed. Um, so I just want to—it's—it's dangerous. It's really dangerous work that these people are doing in these storms to keep our roads open so we can get it out. And one of the things that was said yesterday and has been said consistently, you know, in the middle of these storms, if you don't have to go out, don't. It's just it's just so bad sometimes, and I do know about those winds. I think I had 70, 80 mile gusts at the top of my ridge. It was pretty bad, Howard. It was really bad. So, all right. So, Fish Rock. Um, the other the other issue that came up has been coming up is in Spy Rock Road. There was a lot of comments at the board of supervisors yesterday about Spy Rock. Um, I haven't been out Spy Rock in years, but oh my goodness, it is a deadly road to begin with. So what's going on with Spy Rock and got any plans for that? Well, obviously Spy Rock Road is mostly a dirt road. Yep. We have a little bit of surfacing at the bottom where it connects to Highway 101. But you know, uh, the, uh, the dirt roads, uh, do develop those potholes. And, um, you know, we're, we did go through a program with the board uh, last summer where we discussed saving the money that we would normally spend for dust off in the summer, accumulating it to a point where we could do another mile or two of surfacing on Spy Rock. But, you know, we're not gonna get all the way to the top, you know, the whole 10 miles uh, very quickly but we, we did decide it would be better to adopt that policy for a long-term fix. But in the meantime, um, we can't grade constantly and we, we tend to be able to grade about once a year in the spring. And uh, that's that road is going to be um, rough um, the rest of the time. What, what tends to happen on those gravel roads is right after we grade, people just go faster, and then the potholes are right back. So uh, uh, it, it 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 it's very difficult to to keep potholes off Spy Rock. It is for those that don't live on a dirt road. Let me just tell you that potholes have memories. <laughs> I tell you, you can you can fill a pothole with anything you want. I have a special pothole mix that I've developed on my ranch to fill our ranch potholes, and it take it it's still they still come back. They've got this long term memory. I swear, I don't know what it is. Um, so you you had mentioned uh, paving and chip sealing and all of that. I know paving is out of the issue, but the chip sealing just to give our listeners an idea to chip seal or to really take care of a mile of spy rock what's the what's the number to do that just to just so they know what we're talking about here well if you're starting from a dirt road and you want to put a good layer of gravel on compact it really well and then do a chip seal we think you know that that's probably achievable 
for maybe um, $100,000 a mile. If you were to actually pave it, you know, put base rock under it and put a asphalt concrete uh, thick overlay, you know, that's solid, um, that can be like half a million dollars a mile. It's like gold. But that's why we chip seal more than we pave because it's, uh, it'll, it spreads our money much farther. So the, the issue that came up yesterday, <clears throat> pardon me, with uh, some of the, the residents that are out Spy Rock, they were really concerned that the, the potholes and the degradation of the road has become so bad through these last storms that emergency vehicles might not make it out there. Is, is there some level of acceptability? I mean, is there some point where the emergency vehicles goes, nope, I'm not going up that road? Is, is there a cutoff on that? Is, there even, I, is that a discussion? I, I, I don't it? know. I've heard that bantered around. Yeah. But it really doesn't change my situation on what I'm actually able to do. I mean, personally, I don't live out Spy Rock, but my family's had property out Eagle River Road for generations. And uh, I get what people say because I know to go up to our property on the dirt road, you know, out Eel River Road and into Lake County. Uh, in the summer when the road's rough, it, it takes me an hour. And right after they grade the road, it takes a half an hour. But I will say this, the road has never been so rough that I couldn't drive up there. I just had to go very, very slow. Um, I mean, it's almost a crawl at times, but I would think that, that, that you would be able to get through, although you'd have to go very, very slow. Okay, well, that's good to know. I, uh, most of the time with these uh, emergency vehicles, the width of the road that they're more concerned about and overhanging trees and branches, from what I know, doing past shows about that kind of thing and just watching that. Um, so we got down trees, we got flooding. Oh, the other issue that came up, and I just wanted to, to put out another shout, shout out and just let listeners know, because a lot of times they don't pick up on this because they don't follow the board meetings like I do. Um, there's for years been an issue at Brook Trails with there only being one in and out exit. Um, and that is a major subdivision up there. I don't remember how many parcels there are, but it's a huge subdivision and there was only one emergency exit out. And so the county had been reworking with the uh, parcel owners, you in particular, uh, Howard Dashell in particular, working with the owners to get an outs another outside road to get a, get a special emergency exit for or get an emergency entrance for emergency equipment and stuff for firefighting, and that would leave the only in and out for residents to get out. I know it's been oh god three year three year process. You've been talking about this for years. Um, it came up at the board meeting recently, and they did. You did get the. You did get permission. You did get the road serviceable. It was really helpful during the last fire, uh, allowing people to exit on the main road. And that issue is you're still working on it, but it's 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 happening. You're actually being able to work with the landowners and do something about it. Maybe you can just give us a quick update on that. Well, sure. Um, first off, let me say that um, the Subdivision Map Act only requires to form a legal parcel that you have an ingress egress offered for dedication to a public road. So right off the top, I just want to be clear. 
you're not required to have multiple um, access to parcels under law today. Oh, that's Number today two, still? Wait a minute. That's still today. That hasn't been changed. Yes, that is absolutely the case. Oh, my gosh. Okay, because my subdivision... And, and there, are, there are tons of clusters of houses and even communities in the county that only have a one road in, one road out. I'm there. Number I'm there. Two. I'm seven and a half miles dirt road, and I only have one access right. in and out. So this, right. I am appalled that the subdivision map is not, requirements have not been changed. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Right. Sorry, well, I just that, had to do that sideline. All right. Eight. That is the case. Wow. Number two, there is, if you drive Sherwood Road north, it becomes a dirt road, lasts seven to nine miles, and you come out a little south of Laytonville near Longvale. And um, so there is another way in and out of the area. Those two things said, just for the record, they the, the county did in 2019 start a pilot project that was updated yesterday to look at some private roads that could were you know that the owners uh donated the use of uh for uh, additional ingress and egress for emergency equipment you're right the county did nothing to get those ready the uh fire the sherwood firewise community has done the work up till now. They hold the license to do that. They've done uh, uh, fire break work on, on a couple of those roads. And uh, so the county hasn't done anything. What the county's trying to do is find a long-term way, a sustainable way of keeping those roads ready for emergency equipment. And that's gonna mean a assessment of the people who would benefit from that. And right now, the project we're looking at, which would open two such roads for this emergency equipment, would free up the southerly three and a half miles of Sherwood Road because uh, the uh, emergency access comes in at about 3.5 miles up the road at, at, at the intersection with Poppy Road and Sherwood. And the benefit there is you're right, that would let the bulk of that community, the, the bigger population center, have both lanes available to exit, and then the emergency equipment would come in another way. We're still working through how you assess, collect the tax, have a viable, sustainable um, you know, path forward to keep that going. And so that's what the update was yesterday. Great. And thank you for doing that, because I know in my situation, I'm the same way, one way in and out. And I know there's probably several other subdivisions that were done back in the 70s and the 60s that are the, the same way. As in back in the 70s and 60s, when these subdivisions went in, the uh, the roads, the designs of the roads, the uh, steepness of the roads, I can't remember what they call that, you, you know the name, but how steep the roads are and how wide they are, those really weren't up to the requirements of getting in emergency equipment. So that's a lot of these are road associations and a lot of these private roads are having to deal with those issues on their own now. Um, just putting it out there, folks, I understand what you're going through. So any other thing, anything else we want to talk about the, about the, 
The one thing I did want to bring up, too, is I know the county declared a state of emergency for this whole situation. I know the state declared a state of emergency for all the flooding and the damage and all the water and wind that happened. Um, Does that help your department get any money to help with any of the road situations or that doesn't doesn't make a difference for that? Well, as I mentioned the on-system road that goes into the Forest Service out of Covalo, the governor's declaration uh, instructed that the state work with the Federal Highway Administration to to open up the ER program. So that, that happened with the governor's declaration. The other disaster declarations so far appear for Mendocino County anyway to only approve what they call emergency protective measures. I have not seen, of course, those could be amended, those declarations, but when I go to the FEMA website, I would encourage you and your listeners to read it for themselves at the FEMA website. I don't wanna be the official that you know says how it is. It would appear right now that there is not money for any of the local roads uh, yet. So that, that's what I know when I look at the website. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> Sorry, just to say that. Um, the other thing, I don't know if you know anything about it. Uh, the CEO's office uh, put out a winter storms damage survey. This just came out two days ago, uh, the 23rd. And they're trying to seek information from to self-reporting on damaging. Do you know anything about that report and what they're going to do with it? Does that have anything to do with you at all? You you know, um, and I encourage you to contact the executive office yourself. The the chief executive officer is also, by definition, the director of the county's emergency services, um, you know, agency. So, and I might add, Darcy Antle, she learned a lot about this during the fire in 17. She, you know, took on the position of, of uh, financial recovery, was really, really good at it, knows a whole lot about it. And I'm assuming, and again, I'm assuming you need to talk to her. Yeah. They're probably looking for damage estimates that will enable the county to reach what we call eligibility under some of these disaster programs. If you don't have a certain threshold of damage you don't get into the declarations. It's just the way the Stanford Act is written. That's a federal legislation that does disaster relief. But you should probably talk to her because I am not sure. But there are very capable people down at our county um, emergency management agency that uh, that are on top of it. All right, I'm going to just take a minute. I've got the so so if people, if you listeners, if you want to find out about that, you can also actually go to the executive office at the, on the county's website, the CEO's office, and you can go to news releases, and it says winter storm damage survey. And you're you're right, Howard. They're trying to get an idea of what kind of damage was done. It looks like 
They, uh, we've got until February 3rd to fill out this survey, so I guess they're going to compile it to see if we've got enough damage in the county so we can get money from FEMA. Uh, they've got what's it's a surveymonkey.com that you can go to. I'm not going to read all these um, WW stuff, but you can access it through the county's uh, webpage. You can also access it on the county Mendocino County Facebook site. Um, so if you have damage and you want to see about helping getting the county f some money and FEMA money, do fill out the survey. How's that? My little plug for the county and getting us some money. Um, I'm Karen Audubon. My guest is Howard Dashiell. He's the head of the Department of Transportation. Um, I will, I'm will. i going to open up the phone lines just so people can have some questions that they'd like. It's 707 um, speaking about phone numbers, Howard, if, if I'm on a county road, I live on a county road, or I see an issue, um, I know in the middle of a storm, I, people aren't going to call 911. Where, where, what number do you tell people to call if they see an issue that could become critical or something on a county road? Where do you suggest they report that? So if they see an issue that could become critical and they, they don't consider it an emergency, if it's normal business hours, you know, 8 to 4.30, Monday through Friday, you call the number that's listed in the phone book and on our website, you know, 707-463-4363. And, uh, you know, we take the message and put the, the uh, information, we pass it along to the, the crew. Um, if you're in a situation where it's after hours and say, one lane of a main road is blocked or two lanes of any road is blocked or something is truly dangerous, then you can call 911. All our crews, uh, we have people in all areas with their phone numbers listed with dispatch and um, 911 will call our people. And sometimes they'll send a CHP or sheriff's deputy out to look first to see the situation, then they'll call it in but um, you should call 911 if you truly see something that serious. But just to let us know, you can call that number during normal business hours, or we have an email on our website. You, you can click there and send us a message as well. Okay, that's good to know because I know um, most of the people that live on dirt roads have got an idea when things are going bad on these dirt roads and what's happening with that. Um, so do you have any, I know you have some projects lined up coming up this next year uh, to deal with a couple of big issues. I know you can only do a couple of projects a year with the funding that's not available. Um, is Spy Rock and filling some of those potholes, is that going to be an upcoming priority top 10 or top three? Do you know, is that uh, on the list? Sure. All the, the gravel roads, all 300, you know, uh, uh, whatever we were saying, 340 or so miles. Right. We'll get a great, we'll get graded this spring. And um, the, as far as our projects go, um, you know, it's listed on our website, you know, our 20 year corrective maintenance program where we try to do, you know, uh, uh, you know, eight to 12 miles of road a year, treat it somehow chipsy or not repave it, but We've been doing some in-place recycling and chip sealing over that. And uh, right, our program for this coming year is on uh, 
uh, Philo Greenwood and Cameron Roads. So that's our corrective maintenance pro, uh, project. And then we have several, um, we, we have the bridge we're working on on Eureka Hill Road. That's one of our projects and we're hoping to be starting some of our other bridges this year. But those are our uh, those are the projects we have for sure. How did the fix hold up on uh, Orspring Road? I know that was a real bad disaster a couple of years ago, and then you guys went in and fixed it. Is that holding up pretty good? That was a corrected maintenance project. That was an in in place recycle, right? Where we add oil and cement and uh, recycle what was there. And again, it wasn't a road improvement project. It wasn't a road widening project. We simply took the road that was there and ground it up and, and put some additives in it, usually cement, and then we double chip sealed over it. It's holding up pretty well. Isn't that where the where you had to put in a temporary bridge, though, a couple of years ago? Oh, you're you're thinking of Lambert Lane. So Lambert Lane... No, no, I thought was, there was one on... No, I know Lambert Lane one, but I thought there was one on Orr Springs, too, where it was out. Oh, you're talking about 2017 when we had Oh, the gosh, out. it was that long ago. Okay, so that's right. holding yeah, that up. that was the 2017 okay. event. Oh, my goodness. We had a bridge up for a few months, and then we put in a retaining wall. And I think that's been done now since... I think we got that done by 2018. I forget when we finished the repair. But, yeah, that's been repaired. Oh, man, time flies too fast for that one. I thought it had been sooner. I just, you know, the reason I ask how these are holding up is because I drive over 253 to get to Ukiah, and there's two spots there where, where Caltrans has dumped millions and millions and multiple millions of dollars into these slips. And I just had the opportunity to go out a you know, week before last to cross to Ukiah, and they're slipping again. I just, there's some of these places on these hillsides that I, I don't know how much, it doesn't matter how many millions of dollars you, you know, dump into it. Mother Nature is going to bat last sometimes, I think. <laughs> so um, that's what I was asking about that. Hey, so yeah, how, engine, yeah. engineer versus geology. Geology wins every time. Oh, you bet. That's my favorite line. Mother Nature is going to bat last. We are merely here for the fun of it. All right, Howard, we got some phone phone calls coming in. So let's get some questions for you. And then, and then we'll talk about other stuff. Here we go. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Please turn off your radio, and what's your question? Yeah, hi, Karen. Um, so, first of all, many thanks to Howard for these years of incredible work and good organization. I remember uh, about three years ago, maybe it was, uh, at the Elk Town meeting, Howard said that Greenwood Road was scheduled, you know, for 2023, and uh, now he just announced that it's you know, still on schedule, so I'm glad to hear that. But I have a general comment, um, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, Howard mentioned a little while back that, um, you know, PG&E, you know, it's not a vegetation management issue. But, I, you know, in the longer view, you know, I've lived here for about 50 years and, you know, trees grow exponentially. And my issue is that, you know, in in their management plan, I don't think they've taken into account the fact that things grow. You know, I mean, I've seen trees that were planted and sprouted that are now over a foot in diameter at the base and, you know, spreading out 30 feet, you know. Uh, you know, what I'm saying is that, you know, in their whole overall management plan, they're not accounting for the fact that trees grow and, and you know, they're expenditure for maintaining the lines has to increase to measure that. And I don't think that they account for that and in their whole financial plan. 
So that's my comment. I'm going to get off the air and uh, let you let you and Howard comment on that. All right. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks so much. So Greenwood Road, Cameron, they're on the list, you said, Howard? Yeah, so so I've got one one group of people who are happy. And uh, <laughs> as far as the vegetation goes, I mean, I'm PG&E is a fellow infrastructure maintainer just like we are. And, and, and when it comes to vegetation, unless you kill it, rip it up by the roots and, you know, denude it from existence, it, anything you trim or cut back just needs to be trimmed and cut back again four or five years later. So I, I, I can't, I can't fault PG&E. We, we are in my department in constant battle with trying to keep the vegetation under control. And, you know, uh, and like I said, unless you did something to like literally kill the roots, so something never grew back, it's going to be a constant maintenance um, burden. Mother Nature is a miraculous thing. I, I'm. It is. It is incredible to have lived in this county for almost forty years and watched the growth of the trees. It has been phenomenal. I'm going to get another caller in here, Howard. Hang on. Good morning, caller. You're on the air with us. Good morning. With all due respect, engineering can trump geology. I repaired a pothole. This is about almost well fifteen years by myself and um it was so the 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 ingredients the chemicals worked i'm not attributing it, it to my skill in inputting the material into the pothole but it was you can't even tell where it was well, I congratulate for you on that. I have been working for years trying to get the perfect pothole mix. Sometimes we'll have to just discuss our recipes. Thanks so much. Yeah, I, I bought it at Rossi's. It was a pre-mixed um, oh, cold situation. Patch. I, uh, I don't know if it's the same one 15 years ago, but uh, it was just flawless. Uh, I mean, you can't even tell where it was that I repaired it. Well, congratulations. All right. Thank you. Okay, Howard. Well, we'll talk pothole mix sometime, Howard. That'd be fun. All right. I'm going to get another caller on. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Are you with us? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, My uh, question for Howard, since he has been doing it for so long, um, from your experience, Howard, are the heavier vehicles with the larger tires and the bigger trailers? Um, are they Are they like really making it a lot worse? And if so, is there a countywide tax that we? And I don't want to tax people to death, but like, is there a countywide tax that we might be able to implement for the sales of tires, or uh, or when they're uh, larger tires, like let's say over twenty inch? Um, or when they're returned um, back, do we get any taxes from um, from the sales of the tires themselves, and and, um, and or also when they're uh, returned, uh, like to the transfer station? All Thank right, you. thanks. I'm going to let you take that on the air. Okay. Hey, Howard, how about that? Big trucks okay, on dirt so, roads. So, so road funding is just really, really complicated. I know one year I did. Uh, presentation, I think it was 2019 for the board, with all the different little pots of money we get. But 
commercial vehicles do pay a fee when they register a commercial vehicle, the heavy vehicle, and portions of those fees go to Caltrans and CHP, but a, a portion of that comes to the counties and cities too. So the, in the grand scheme of things, those heavier pieces of equipment are, are paying their fair share through their vehicle licensing fee. I guess that's the short answer. Okay, that's good. Well, and it does. I mean, any on your chip seal and your um, dirt roads, it depends on if you bring in a truck during the dry weather, you're going to stir up the dust and all of that. But if you're bringing a truck in when it's wet, there is more damage. So it depends on the time of year and the usage and all of that. Uh, we got another caller, Howard. We're going to take that. Here we go. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Please turn off your radio. <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. Uh, Polly from Point Arena, I was wondering about uh, any plans for the county to, to put a bridge over Windy Hollow Road so that we have another way to get out when the Garcia River is overflowing. Oh, good question. Can you take that on the air? Thank you. That's fine. Thank you. Good question. How about that, Howard? So I don't know what the website reference is, but if you search for it, Caltrans did do a study I think it was under a climate adaptation plan. And um, I think if you search Windy Hollow and study for climate adaptation, they had several scenarios they looked at. And I think it's on the internet. But again, you know, that's a, a Caltrans road. And it'd be, if we did a bridge, a county bridge over Windy Hollow, as you discussed, we have looked at that, but it would be a really big price tag. And when I brought that up to the board, you know, the the, the county really just can't swing that. You know, I, I think the number was, gosh, I want to think it was 10 million, something like that. Ouch. Uh, but Caltrans, which has a, a bigger pocketbook to do that, does have a scenario using part of Windy Hollow Road and realigning Highway 1 and I think you can find that on the Internet. So I have a, a question just out of the blue, one that jumped in my mind. We talk about county versus uh, state roads. And I know the state roads, um, you know, Highway 128, 101, all of those. But what jumped into my crazy head uh, the other day was, are, are the county roads have names and the state roads have numbers? Is that one way of distinguishing them or is that not hold true? Well, the county roads all have numbers as well. So if you look at the little green sign on yep. any county road and you'll see at the corner, it'll say CR, that's for county road and it'll have a number. Okay. Some of the state roads have a number and they also have a name. Uh, you know, I think the highway one is called the Pacific Coast Highway. So it does have a name. I think 101, the section we go through, is the Redwood Highway. But mostly, but, but most uh, of us, low, you know, like Fish Rock or Greenwood or Spy Rock, Bell Springs, those kind of things. I just it just seemed to me that most of the county roads are named, and I know there's the little special green number things, but generally we know them by the name is what I was thinking. But right. that's just one of those odd things that I get in the middle of the night. How's Branscombe Road holding up? You know, uh, knock on wood, I have not had a report of a problem out there yet so i'm i'm uh other than and this is neither here nor there other than that some some terrorist type person 
cut partway through a tree, I, I was just informed of um, why people do that. So I heard there was a tree partially cut out there, and I think we're looking at dealing with that. So. And what's the right-of-way with the county road? Is it like a, it, normally it's like, isn't it 70 feet from the center of the road or 30-some feet from the center of the road? What is the right-of-way on each side of our county roads? Do you know? It varies. It oh, really? varies, but 90% or more of the county roads go right back to the political code and streets and highways code, which specify that a county road should be a minimum of 40 feet. So 90% of our roads are 20 feet on both sides of the center line. Oh. Um, there are a few miles of road that are wider, and it's a case-by-case basis. Okay. The vast majority are 40 feet wide. That's interesting. Fascinating to know. Okay, we're going to try to get in one more quick call. So, caller, this better be a quick question. Good morning, caller on the air. Quick question. Yes, hi. I was wondering, what is the best uh, approach for advocating for improvements on your road? And I'm referring specifically to Bell Springs Road. When we badly needed a dust-up last summer and we had fires, it was a bad situation. And reaching out to our supervisor did not help. So... (laughs) What is the best course of action in these kinds of situations? All right, we'll make that a quiz to answer. Thanks so much. All right, Howard, who do they? How do they do this? It, it, it's all about money. Bell Springs is a dirt road. Um, I know the folks up there would like to see it widened, improved, eventually surfaced. It, it's just about the money. I I don't have the money for it. It's all about the money. Well, that's um. So here's the other thing I was going to ask, and I know it's out-of-the-box thinking, which I'm known for in the county over many years. So we have the, I'd be going along the state highway, and I see that somebody's adopted the road to clean it up for a mile or two, some organization. Is there a way on these dirt roads we could, like, adopt a section of the road and go fill the potholes ourselves if we were inclined? That would be possible. The county has a volunteer program, and you can volunteer to do a number of things, and, and, and it's important they go through that so that the county gets insurance if they're, you know, hurt or injured, but it, it's possible. Okay, I'm just wondering because it, it it seems like, I mean, I've been doing this enough. I've watched the numbers. You and I have talked about it enough. There's just not the money there to do it. And every year we're going to get deeper in the old deferred and maintenance hole. So I'm at the point now where I think we got to start thinking outside of the box. Adopt a highway, to adopt a section of a dirt road. Um, I mean... You can hear this. I'll say it. Go out in the middle of the on a weekend when nobody's around. Fill the potholes yourself. You know, talk about pothole mixes, how to do it. Um, I'm just thinking like we're going to have to, as a community, step up and start doing some of this stuff that there's just not money to do. And I'm saying in that, in my humble opinion, how's that, Howard? <laughs> Sounds good. That's good. Um, but any, um, so we're getting ready to wrap up here, folks. Um, any last discussion? What What didn't we talk about? What didn't we talk about? What do you need from the community, and what kind of help can we do for you except going to the board meetings and ranting and raving about potholes? Well, whenever I'm given an opportunity to speak like this in general, right now we're talking about potholes, and that has been my number one complaint through the years. My second complaint, though, is speeding and just safety and accidents. Um, If I can say something to the public is uh, just try to go slower. 
um, so many of the, uh, well, even potholes we talk about, if the road gets graded and you just go faster, the pothole comes back faster. If people would just slow down, they'd be safer, uh, they'd have less wear and tear. And um, I know that's hard to say because we're all in a big hurry, it seems like. But uh, uh, I would say slow down, especially during wet, slippery conditions. Just plan your trip longer and, and go slower. Um, one last question just came into my mind. It, it, when you talk about, I mean, one of the things that came up with all the potholes on Spy Rock is that a lot of people are having car damage. Um, is, it, is the county board of supervisors, could there be some liability with continued damage? Is that an issue? Well, <laughs> vehicle code states that, you know, traffic must drive at the speed that is safe for conditions. So it, there you it's go. back to uh, what I said about going out to my property on, on Eel River Road. It, you just, it takes longer, twice as long when the road's rough. All but right. if you slow down, you won't damage your car. All but right. Well, thank you. Hey, so I got to get out of here. But Howard Dashell, thanks so much for all the work. Please pass it on to your staff. They're doing an incredible job. And I uh, I just, we can't thank them enough because it's a hard, long road and we will have more rain. So um, thanks, Howard, for coming on and thanks for keeping up the good work. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.